0: MC Lobshier, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast and also the president and chief wealth and investment strategist of Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate cashflow banking, also known as infinite banking, with their business and investments. If you're interested in learning more about how we create strategies that integrate cashflow banking and investments to turbocharge them, you can access a video series at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's your own banking system.com. Welcome to the Cash Flow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Here is your host, Inside the Dojo, MC Laubscher. Hello Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobster here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today, and in today's show, we're going to look at the art to underwriting a multifamily real estate deal. My guest in this episode is Omar Khan from Boardwalk Wealth. Omar is responsible for capital raising, strategic planning, and investor relations. He has over 10 years of global investment experience. He has participated in capital financing and merger and acquisition transactions valued at $3.7 billion. He is a CFA charter holder and graduated with honors from the University of Toronto with a BCom in finance. Omar moved from Canada and lives in Texas with his wife and newborn son. If you're interested in joining our investors group, you can go to cashflowninjacom forward slash investors group and fill out an application form to see if you're a good fit for our group. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's n-o-r-a-d-a-realestate.com. Omar,
1: welcome to the show. Thank you, MC. It's a great honor to finally be on your show. I'm a big fan.
0: No, thank you so much. And it's been a, a blast connecting already. So excited to have you on, Omar. Um, can you share a little bit about your background and journey with my listeners? Yeah,
1: I'd love to. So uh, I'm a CFA charger holder. That's just a fancy way of saying that I spend most of my 20s working 100 hours a week and then studying the remaining hours. And so that's that. I did 10 years of investing across real estate and commodities. So my background's in M&A, in bulge bracket investment banks. I've done $3.7 billion in capital financing and m and transactions. And now I syndicate large multi-million dollar deals across the U.S., primarily in multifamily and self-storage.
0: And those are definitely interesting markets. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your philosophical approach to building wealth and um, investing. If you don't mind sharing just how you approach it, your philosophy, and then also if you have a framework and uh, a, a checklist that you draw from in decision-making.
1: So look, the CFA side of me would like to say that I should be fully diversified and I should just be, you know, doing all those things that you're taught in school. And then what I was doing basically on the asset management side in the bank. But from personal experience and my family's experience, what what at least I've figured out and realized over the last few years is that look, my family is an entrepreneurial family. And whereas it's understandable that one has to be diversified, you still at various needs if you want to be truly wealthy. And I was very privileged to be born into a reasonably well to do family that has generational wealth, that you need to go all in sometimes. So it's that Warren Buffett saying, right, you have to be fearful when others are greedy, and greedy when others are fearful. And what I've seen across, uh, you know, the two or three generations is that the assets, for instance, that my grandfather and father bought at right at like the downturn in the market, right, primarily commercial real estate assets. I mean, they've been a bedrock of our family's portfolio, and have provided us so much income and capital appreciation over the last two or three generations that it's it's just unreal. So whereas, you know, I, I tend to feel that diversity is important. I'm coming to the realization that as a business person, you have to go all in sometimes, but you have to take really calculated risks. You can't just be going and guns blazing all the time.
0: Yeah. And it's a little bit, obviously a, a different perspective to folks that are uh, listening to a lot of folks telling them to put as many eggs in as many baskets, but yeah. you've, you've seen it firsthand that, listen, you have to calculate it, but when you go in you've you've got to go in oh, yeah. and uh for, and able to make a big move. Oh yeah. And look part of that is also
1: your like you know part of that is just emotion managing your emotions also, right? Cuz it's like the, I don't know if you follow soccer but Alex Ferguson said around the time when it's crunch time that it's squeaky bum time, right? Yep. If your if, you, if your hands are, if your palms aren't sweaty when you're making a big decision and you're not a little nervous that means it's not a big enough decision. So you've got to be taking big decisions but they've got to be calculated bets.
0: Speak to that a little bit uh, because a lot of people talk about financial IQ and obviously academic IQ is what, what, what a lot of folks um, look at, uh, you know, in, in our life, I guess, in our, in our society. But that emotional IQ that nobody talks about is a massive, massive indicator of success and how you manage your emotions. And um, I think it was Blair Singer talks about the little voice, right? And little voice oh, yeah. mastery, how you master that voice. Mm-hmm. And well, self-talk. look.
1: Uh MC, I was privileged enough to go to a really top tier school, University of Toronto. Uh, then I did my CFA. I worked in bulge bracket banks. But the one thing that I kept seeing across the board was the fact that I was surrounded by super, super intelligent people. Okay. And you know who was making more money than these people? People who were either business people who taken a risk, who had either, you know, again, calculated risk. But the people who were successful weren't necessarily more intelligent. They were just more emotionally in control of the situation. So when a bad time did happen, they weren't paralyzed. And, and every time some bad thing happened, you know, it's bad and it sucks, but they looked at the opportunity and they immediately zeroed in on the opportunity, right? So there were lots of guys I worked with in the investment bank that had a PhD or this and that, but they made like 50 times less money than a couple of my, you know, people I know in my family or fr- family friends who barely have a college education, man, and they're crushing it.
0: Yeah, it's so, it's so true. Let's talk a little bit about your syndication career and, and some of the deals uh, for underwriting. When you look at specific markets, um, well, let's talk a little bit about your view on some of the markets that you operate in. Maybe share why you've, uh, why you've picked certain markets on your journey and what attracted you to those markets.
1: Well, look, I live in Dallas and I think Dallas is a fantastic market, not just as a a market to invest, but just to raise your family, do all of that stuff. But when we were looking on where to invest our money, our network's money, our family's money, we kind of had to look around at a few parts, right? So obviously one's a job growth, income growth, all of that stuff. But the other thing we're looking at is what kind of income is growing? How quickly is it going? What is the net migration? How affordable is someplace? Because a lot of the assets that we're buying We're buying with the intention of holding them for 7 to 10 years. So for us, uh, short-term dips or market going up, they don't really factor that much. So currently, we're heavily invested in Florida. Uh, We've done a few deals in San Antonio. We're doing one in Austin. And the deal there is, again, we're looking for cash-flowing assets with a high capital appreciation potential, but we're not trying to maximize just for returns. We're also trying to maximize for peace of mind and giving ourselves a margin
0: of safety. Those two markets are two, just two markets where just people are pouring into Texas and Florida. Oh yeah, uh, it's been interesting, it, it just interesting to see it. And Arizona uh, is 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 in there as well, where a lot of people from California are moving mm-hmm. into Texas, into Arizona, and then obviously Florida has the demographic play, uh-huh. and of course the favorable tax tax treatment. What's uh, what's your view on on some of this? Well, look,
1: uh, as a Canadian, I can tell you this. One of the big things that I realized was that I never wanted to invest in a market that had the landlord laws of, say, in Ontario or British Columbia or some of these coastal markets. When I'm investing in a market, one of the big things that I look for is how friendly uh, are the laws. And in the markets we've talked about, taxes in Florida, one of the big attractive features, apart from all these income growth, job growth, is the fact that these are landlord-friendly laws. So if a tenant doesn't pay us you know, the rent, we work with them to help them pay us the rent. But look, we also have a business to run. So we work with them to place them in a separate apartment building or a separate affordable housing. But this way, we get the unit and we can quickly lease it out. So that's one of the things. But I do think both all the markets that we've talked about, they're very hard. So this is why, again, like that earlier conversation, you have to be really picky and choosy. You just can't go guns blazing. And a lot of times what we're seeing is that even really nice, attractive assets, people are just overbidding for these assets to the point where they're just not attractive anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that's when that contrarian bone and <laughs> of mine starts itching where, you know, uh, uh, someone that I consider as a mentor is Doug Casey that always talks about you have to look at as, uh, assets and asset clauses that are really, really undervalued and um, that people are quote unquote hating at that moment, right? Yeah. That they don't pay any attention to because um, obviously there, there there's some markets that's definitely frothy in the in the real estate. Let's talk about that. So those markets right now, you, you see that there's, there are some folks overpaying for assets. Where do you think we are in this, um, yeah, in this market cycle uh, when it comes to, comes to Florida and Texas? Because there's definitely been some big movement because of the laws. Uh, unfortunately, these days, you know, states haven't realized that they're competing for, <laughs> for residents yet, right? Uh, countries will be soon too, by the way. But what, what, uh, what are some of your thoughts?
1: Well, first of all, uh, the number one point is you don't have to realize that something's happening for things to be happening, number one. So we always have to know that. I personally think, again, it's that saying, you know, price is is what you pay, value is what you get. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any asset in the world that is so attractive that you can pay any price for this asset. So for me, I'm the kind of guy, man, I grew up on a very strict Benjamin Graham sort of Graham dort sort of philosophy. So for me, a lot of times, I'd even go down to a C- minus type of asset if I'm getting it at the right price. And I bought all the way from an A- minus all the way down to C-. Because me, it all depends. What kind of price am I getting? How much margin of safety do I have? And how much room do I have for the upside? So if I can manage my downside, the upside takes care
0: of itself. Now, there's an art and a science to financial oh, yeah. freedom. Um, oh, yeah. And the art is the person, right? The unique ability, the um, what you're interested in, what you know, what you study, what you learn, all that kind of stuff. And then obviously the science is, is more just math, the unemotional side oh, to it. When it comes to underwriting deals, um, what are some of the things that you look at? And maybe there's a checklist of underwriting it and maybe um, tie that into... Um, yeah tie that into the the, the software project that you 've been working on as well um because uh, i 'm sure that that kind of overlaps right the the checklist yep. that you have and the, and the soft uh, what 's in the software
1: oh well, yeah, so just to give you a hi- high level overview right for instance, big things that I think investors should be looking at, especially at this stage of the cycle, is basically what are the rent growth assumptions like how aggressive or not aggressive are they people tend to be between 3 and 6%. 6% is on the high end. 3 2 to 3% is in the low end, but it all depends by submarket. Then what is your exit cap reversion? Like how many basis points are you adding on top of your purchase cap to kind of figure out what your exit valuation would be? But some of the other items, you know, we look at are, hey, what's the unit mix like? You know, at this stage of the cycle, we want more stabilized assets. So we're looking at assets that have that have more of a unit mix uh, weighted towards, say, two bedrooms and three bedrooms, and one one in one bedroom and studios, or for instance, what submarket it is in. So three years ago, you could have pretty pretty much bought in any submarket and made money, but now we're going to see that there's going to be the winners and there's going to be losers and markets that are doing submarkets, not just markets, because every market has a lot of submarkets, markets that are affluent. Are relatively more affluent, they are going to continue to do good because they keep attracting those citizens. They keep attracting those peoples. And markets that either have a bad image, reputation, or are just not economically doing good, they're continuing to decline. And we're going to see this as we go deeper and deeper into the cycle and possibly into a recession.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the, the, the software that you, uh, have been developing, I guess, um, that you, Mm -hmm. that you're launching, um, in 2019, uh, that could potentially help, uh, syndicators and people underwriting, uh, commercial real estate projects.
1: Well, thank you for that. I totally forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Look, that software basically relies on our two plus decades of experience. What you're getting is not some $80, 90 spreadsheet to download online that the guy making it has no idea and now you're using it and you have no idea what's going on. This is people who've done over $150 million deals. These are the tools literally that we use within our own business. And one of the good effects from this is that right off the top, not only do you get a granular, little, granular look into your multifamily apartments and all of that stuff, what you're also getting is a complete reporting package. So when, you take, when you're done, you can literally take this to your bank, you can take this to your equity people, you can take this to your debt people, your other partners, and it will help you not only slice and dice the data better and visualize it and present it better, but it will help you develop credibility. Because now you have something that practically people, I mean, investment banks are paying hundred to $300,000 a month for these kind of tools.
0: You're listening to Omar Khan on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back word from our sponsors. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic, market, and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar Presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at CashflowNinja.com forward slash life settlements. You're listening to Omar Khan on the Cashflow Ninja Podcast and now back to our interview. Uh, that's phenomenal. Um what uh um, where can listeners um uh learn more about the software and get a demo and so forth?
1: Well, uh, you know, you can go to our website, deal deal and register and we'll we'll send you all the goodies and all the stuff and or you can email me at umar at boardwalkwealth or umar at dealanalytica.com and i'd be more than happy to answer your questions Uh, a lot of times what happens mc is that people reach out to me they're doing one deal but they got stuck because they were you know using some mentors excel spreadsheet and then they realized oh no this is a lot more complex than my weekend course or weekend instructor told me it was so as long as you kind of know what the pitfalls are i think that just helps you provide better perspective.
0: Gotcha. What role have uh, mentors played in your life, Omar?
1: Oh, everything. I would be nowhere without mentors. Uh, MC, I am the poster child for second chances and good mentorship. So, (laughs) I mean, across multiple countries. Mentors have always played a good role because I think a lot of times they serve as role models. So even somebody doesn't have to say anything to your face, but Mm. they can serve as good role models, number one, just, just as a means to conduct your life. But otherwise, for instance, what they've been able to do is whatever, for instance, I could have done in 10, 20 years, they've been able to do in five years for me. So they can just make one call, introduce me to somebody, and now my problem is solved. Right? Or they can make an introduction, or they can provide a perspective that either I don't have or would take me forever to develop. And just having that Rolodex of people who are trustworthy, who are accomplished, and who you respect, oh man, it has accelerated my career and my life to literally, I mean, I would be nowhere without good mentors.
0: Studying people is a big part of that too. Uh, who are some of the people that, you, that you've been studying and who are you studying con- currently?
1: Well, see, it varies from time to time because sometimes, you know, I, initially growing up, I would study guys like Michael Jordan. And by the way, I didn't even know visualization was a thing because mm-hmm. I'd read a story once as a kid, it was called Imagine Success. And I, I was like, well, wow, this is pretty cool. And then I saw Michael Jordan and he talked about it. And there was a cricket player out of West Indies called Brian Lara. Love I don't know if Brian you call cricket, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. And he Brian. talked all the time. He's like, you know, when I was going and I was standing there for seven hours, I just kept thinking what I was going to do. And all, everything that was in my head, I just did it. Right? Right. So I do a lot of that. I do a lot of meditation. These days... In particular, I'm very interested in following the career of Elon Musk. I was initially interested because he was super successful. And now I'm trying to think, is this guy going to crash or not? And how badly is this guy going to crash?
0: Right. Now, it certainly keeps it interesting because there's so many different sides to it. And, of course, the media is is a different discussion in in and of itself. Um, Oh, dude, I'm off Facebook, man.
1: Honestly, I think it's like... Like, I think it's just toxic, man. Don't even
0: <laughs> start. Yeah, and Elon's been getting a lot of bad press. So you never get really the full story. So, but he, is, he has been an entertaining uh, fellow to watch. Uh.
1: Dude, he's a genius. And I think what people don't realize is that people judge a guy like Elon Musk based on the internal standards that they have set for themselves. And I was like, dude, this guy's not even in the same league. We, I mean, you, we might as well be on a different planet than this guy. He is so far ahead of the regular humanity.
0: Yeah, he definitely is is busy with big, big stuff and I mean we were talking about how uh, a lot of successful people go all in. Oh yeah. Uh speaking about going all in, alter success um and he just continues he, he obviously continues to do that. Uh one of the things that uh, that I always am very very interested to learn more about is is what you're studying currently, what uh, what you're reading and what new skill sets you're currently developing. So, uh
1: you know I have a quantitative background, but what I've realized as I'm running my business more and more is that I've started running, um, running testing and learning more about psychology and interactions and body language these days, because I feel that was an area that I could really improve. I mean, for me, just with my background, I'm a very black and white sort of a guy. Well, either you can do it or you can't. And as I'm growing up and maturing, and as I'm running my business, I'm realizing, okay, I need to bring in shades of gray, and I need to be more empathetic. And I need to understand people from a people's perspective. So as a result, I'm learning a lot more about behavioral economics, psychology, you know, the, the, the art and practice of influence, right? right? Those sorts of things. And again, the reason is look to round out my personality, but also to grow as a person, because I'm, I'm a very rational, quantitative side of person. But I'm realizing now that I have a kid as well, that I need to up my game, basically, and become a more well-rounded individual.
0: Absolutely, it's it's definitely a game changer. One of the things that I've I've been uh, reading as much as I can up on, and also uh, speaking to folks is is about recession investments, right? And recession oh, yeah. in recession uh, strategies, and obviously, if you look at where we are now in market cycles and asset cycles, we're definitely uh, overdue or shortly due for another recession. It's just. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are just the cycles that continue over and over throughout history. What are some of the things that you're looking to do to position yourself for a recession? And what are some of the, the, the strategies that, uh, that you're looking at implementing and executing during a recession? So
1: I've, 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 I went down the whole investment banking, CFA route, and now I've come to the realization that I like to keep things really simple. So I like to basically eliminate all sort of debt and by debt, I mean bad debt. I don't mean like a mortgage, if it's a good house or like getting any sort of loans on your property or whatever. I'm not meaning that. I try to get all consumer debt, pretty much everything out of my life. Maintain ample amounts of liquidity, always. I mean, I cannot stress that enough. And then what I do is, man, just from a, just from a personal point of view, what I've started doing is trying to make my investment philosophy simpler and simpler and simpler and really getting down to roots. So doing less and less financial engineering and heavily focusing on the operation side of the business and organically growing that.
0: Yeah, that's a very big part of value creation that operating side and management of it that I think is, is overlooked by a lot of folks in investments where they're, as you mentioned, so much looking at financial engineering and trying different things that, uh, you know, as you said, try to keep it simple, it's right there in front of you by increasing the value of your operations and your management, yep. uh, you increase the value of the asset.
1: And then just keeping a lot of liquidity on hand i mean nobody nobody ever went broke having a lot of cash mc <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: right that's right no and i mean and uh, obviously developing relationships is oh, yeah. another thing looking at too oh, yeah. uh, for a session because i mean if you if you just look at what some of the wealthiest folks are doing it's developing themselves as an asset and then uh investing heavily in themselves and in relationships
1: MC, I'll just give you an example, literally what happened in the morning, just on that relationship example. So since I moved from Canada, I have some of my money, um, quote unquote, stuck in some of my Canadian banks. And they're in like the RSP's equivalent, uh, the RSP is a 401k equivalent and all of that. Anyways, long story short, to get that money out, I would basically, if I had to transfer it to the US, I would pay a 25% penalty. So you know what I did, MC? I literally called up my buddy, George, and I needed a quick 50,000 because I have to put some earnest money thing. And literally, George emailed me, not emailed me, transferred 50 grand into my account like that. Why? Because we have a relationship going back a decade plus. We barely, you know, we work with each other and not many people would do that. I mean, my wife's a physician and, you know, all of her group makes a lot of money and stuff. But she was like, whoa, George did that in five minutes. And it's like, yeah, because, you know, every single time George wanted me to do something, I would pop on a plane and in five seconds, I'd be there. But that, that, I just wanted to point out like how powerful relationships are, because otherwise I would still be on the phone with the bank trying to explain to them that it's my money. I need to take it out. So figure it out.
0: Right. I was just chuckling that you have to explain to the bank, well, it's my money.
1: <laughs> Dude, it's the right. it's, it's bane of my existence, but uh, maybe this is just a pet peeve of mine. But I honestly think people who work in retail banking, man, they, they need a refresher in common sense, man.
0: Now let's talk about we've, t- we've touched on some principles and investing principles. Um, and a core message of the show is principles and values mm-hmm. because, you know, money is obviously just uh, a uh, Yeah, a medium of exchange and a representation of value. So, um, the core message is to leave our families and communities and the world better then we found it by passing down that mindset and along with these values and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be?
1: So number one, I'd have to rely on my mom and it pains me to say this now because she's told me this so many times and now I'm doing this. And see, I've come to the realization that intelligence is, is extremely overrated. Hard work, trumps intelligence 10 out of 10 times in my book. So that followed by determination. And number three, you need to have self-confidence to realize that if you've taken a decision and look, you've, you've done your analysis, you've taken a decision, then go all in. Don't try to have your feet in two boards. Don't, like it's that saying in the Bible, I think, no man can have two masters. So if you've, de- if you've decided, if you've taken a decision and you're going to work hard towards it, go all in. Don't look here and there, just do it.
0: Very, very powerful. Uh, Omar, uh, what is on tap for Omar in 2019? And the little bit we have left here of 2018, what have you excited about? Um, And uh, yeah, what are you looking forward to?
1: Well, I'm obviously always looking forward to learning and meeting new people, learning from their experiences and hopefully contributing something to them. On the business side, we're closing a 140-unit deal in Jacksonville in the next few days. So really excited for that. And apart from that, you know... uh, now that I have a son, I'm realizing that there's a lot more to life than just work, MC. So, you know, and looking at that and just seeing my son grow up. He's 13 months old. He's just grown up so much. Every week I feel he grows up. And I think that's rounding out my personality really nicely. Or rather, I hope it is.
0: No, it's a game changer. My son is 18 months and it's the nice. same thing. It's completely changed the way that I look at life. And uh, it just puts everything into, it gives you more perspective. Have um, you learned to say no? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> So everything is no at the moment. My son
1: can't say no, but when he wants to say no, you know he's saying no.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Omar, where can my listeners uh, uh, follow you? Where can they learn more about you? You'd mentioned earlier where they can reach out to you about uh, the software uh, for commercial underwriting of real estate investments. Yep. So you can go to our website.
1: It's, uh, this is for multifamily investing. You go to boardwalkwealth, B-O-A-R-D, walkwealth.com. You can register and, you know, you can register for our distribution list. You can email me at umar, O-M-A-R, at boardwalkwealth.com. For the commercial underwriting software, please go to www.dealanalytica, A-N-A-L-Y, Or you can email me at umar at dealanalytica.com.
0: Fantastic. Omar, well, thank you so much for connecting and thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your journey and your knowledge and providing so much value for my listeners.
1: And thank you very much for having me. And thank you for being an inspiration, MC. I
0: love what you're doing. Keep doing it, man. Thank you. MC Lombshier, the creator and host of The Cashflow Ninja and president of Producers Wealth. And I'm on a mission to help you achieve economic and financial freedom as quickly as possible. I achieve this by integrating the infinite banking concept with real estate investments to increase your efficiency and returns and recapture cash flow that you're not even aware of that you're losing. I share the number one strategy for investors in my holistic wealth creation course at yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text Cashflow Ninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.